0: Welcome to Valley Community Church. Our Sunday sermons are available online to help you grow in your Christian faith. Our messages are practical and applicable truths from the Bible for today's life challenges. And now, today's message. If you are uh, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, I'd like for you to open up to Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. We're actually going to look at um, verse 8 and 9 first, and then we're going to backtrack uh from Ephesians 2, 1 through 8 and 9. So, so we're going to be going through uh, that section of Scripture this morning. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just speak a blessing over your word this morning, God. Lord, we just declare that your word is true. Lord, that you sent your Son, who was the word of God, who is the living word. Lord, so that, that your word can be written on our hearts, I just pray right now, Father, as we dive into this thing called the covenant of grace Lord, that you just open our hearts and minds to perceive what you are speaking to us this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You know, God says that in the word that he is constantly speaking, we just fail to perceive it, you know? Sometimes we have to get quiet, we have to... Get by ourselves, get alone, so that we can hear his voice. Got to quiet all that other stuff that's going on so we can just hear his voice. Amen? All right, so let's read in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is a gift from God, not a result of works, so no one may boast. So this is our uh, text for this morning, the primary text for this morning. So we're going to be talking about this covenant of grace. So I know I mean, we've been in church a long time. People have heard about grace many times. And, and by the way, for those that don't know me, um, I was a teacher for a long time, so I might call on you, you know, if you're new. I'm like, hey, what do you think? And I don't mind people, you know, shouting things back out to me, okay? So what is Grace. Come on now. Unmerited favor, giving you something that you didn't deserve. That's a common understanding, isn't it? We, we've pretty much accepted that, that, uh, you know, you don't have to raise your hand. Though. Go ahead. All right, excellent. So we have a basic understanding of what grace is. But, you know, people that aren't in church... People that don't know Christ, don't. Do you know that? So today, um, we're gonna look into what's called, what I'm titling the nature of grace. It's gonna be a three-part series. So today is pretty much the gospel. What, what We talk about the covenant of grace and what Jesus Christ came to do. But then next week, I'm gonna talk about the effect of grace, so the practical application of Grace. And then the third week, we're going to talk about the goal of grace. Why did God come and do all this? What's our part in it? So we're going to be going through these three, uh, three next three weeks, kind of looking at, you know, how we can really apply this to our lives and to the, the lost world. All right. So grace. The Greek word for grace is charis, which means goodwill, loving kindness, favor, and blessing. And there was a lot more. (laughs) Looking at it, I mean, there was probably 20 words that tried to describe what grace is. And I don't think they could do it. (laughs) I think the closest thing that we got is favor. And we know that we didn't deserve it, so that's why it's called unmerited favor. So Paul starts us out and he starts talking about this new covenant here. Uh, I mean, it's, it's talked about before, but I chose this scripture in particular. He talks about the new covenant, a covenant of, of um, grace, not of works. And they, they call it the new covenant, which is the New Testament. But, you know, Jeremiah prophesied about this new covenant long before Jesus ever was around. Well, on this earth, that is, right? So if you look at Jeremiah thirty-one, thirty-one, it says, Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not like the covenant which I made with their fathers in the day I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant which they broke, although I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. But this covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them. On their hearts I will write it, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Jeremiah foretold of a covenant that was coming. He, I mean, this is a long time before it was realized. So in, when you start looking at prophecy, so God reveals something in the Old Testament, and then we, we might not realize it until much, much later. For instance, Daniel foretells of a king coming. He said, I saw one like the Son of Man approaching the Ancient of Days, and, he, and power and glory was given. He was seated at the right hand of the Father, and he had an everlasting kingdom, right? That whole picture that Daniel... But we're not, we, we haven't seen the fulfillment of all of that prophecy yet. Because he's going to come back again, isn't he? He's going to establish his kingdom on earth. So we live. we live in this tension between the already and the not yet. It's done, but we haven't seen it all yet. That's where faith comes in. So Jeremiah prophesies about it. But as we continue to read this this section, it says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. So we know that faith is a key component of this new covenant. What is faith? Come on. That's, that's, That's your cue. What is faith? Opposite of fear? To Believe, right? To put your faith into something is to believe something, correct? All right. Let's take a look at Galatians 3, 6, and 9, because we have to understand this concept of, number one, why we need grace, but also that, excuse me, faith, But faith is a key component to everything, God's plan in general. See, a lot of times we think about and we attach faith with the new covenant in the New Testament because it talks primarily about it there. But there's many places in the Old Testament that it's talked about too. And I just want to illustrate this morning how important it is that we have this faith. We're going to jump into this deep, you guys. I mean, when I was reading this, I was going, oh, yeah, Lord, thank you. That's so good. I mean, I've been reading the Bible a long time and preaching and studying and Bible college, and, and I found some stuff that I really either didn't know or forgot or God just revealed. And it's pretty amazing. It, you're you're going to love this. All right, it says in Ephesians 3, 6, and 9, it says, Even so Abraham believed God, and with it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Therefore, okay, so Abraham's before the law, Right? 400 years before the law, the Mosaic law was given, Abraham was. He had faith, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Therefore, be sure that it is those who are of faith who are the sons of Abraham. The scripture foreseen that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, all nations will be blessed in you. So then, who are of faith are blessed with Abraham, the believer. Did you guys catch that? God himself revealed the new covenant to Abraham long before we ever saw it. Because it was a a covenant of faith. So the seed was sown in the promise to Abraham. So you can raise your hand on this one. Who here is a seed of Abraham? If you're a believer... Hold on, say, if you're a believer, if you confess Jesus Christ as Lord, then you are a seed of Abraham. And all the blessings that Abraham got from God are yours. But you know, God tested Abraham many times. God spoke to Abraham and said, your wife Sarah is going to have a baby. And Abraham said, what? I'm 100 years old. Come on, God, you got a sense of humor. My wife's 90. It was an impossibility even in those days. He's, and Abraham said, what can you do for me, God? He said, your, your wife's going to have a son. That man that you're talking about, he's not going to inherit your stuff. You're going to have a son. You're going to call him Isaac. And Abraham believed. Then another test comes. This would have been a hard one for me. I'm just saying, it had been hard. He says, well, now I'm going to give you a command with a promise. Everybody in your house needs to be circumcised. I've been like, no, I don't know about all that, God. But Abraham believed the Lord. And then another test comes. I mean, there's, there's more, but I'm just hitting the, hitting the big ones. Then he says, I want you to sacrifice your own son. So I I mean, you guys know the story, right? Takes Isaac up onto the mountain, carries the firewood up there, has the knife. He's, he's re- I mean, man, poor Isaac. I'd be like, <laughs> all right, Dad, I trust you and everything, but uh, this is going a little too far. I, poor, I just can imagine Isaac laying up on that altar. man, he has a knife in his hand, and the angel says, "Stop." And, and right after that is where it says that his faith was counted unto him as righteousness. Because God taught Abraham this lifestyle of faith, because he knew that he was going to have to bring the law to bring light to sin in his people's lives. See, the old covenant, which we know is a covenant of works, which came 400 years later, was meant to do one thing, primarily. And that was to bring conviction. Because if we don't know something's wrong, then we just go on about our business. I want you to imagine for just a second. I have fun with this. You know, I was a teacher for a long time. I have five kids, so I've been around kids a lot. So I want you to imagine a child that has never been told no. That has never been told, honey, we don't hit people in the face because that's not nice. Honey, no, you don't do that because That offends God. That breaks God's heart when you lie. A child that never understands the reality of right and wrong only does what's right in their own eyes. That's a society filled with people that have never been introduced to the law. That has never been introduced to the concept of their own sin. So that's why, man, I, I, I get up on a soapbox real quick about taking, taking the Ten Commandments down, taking you know, God out of schools, taking you know, all prayer out of schools. I could get on a soapbox and we could be here a while, but I think you're all with me. Because our entire existence base is based on the reality that God has given us of right and wrong. And it's pretty sad to me. Um, I'm going to share a story with you. And this is a true story, and it broke my heart when it happened. So I'm teaching at alternative school here in Roanoke Rapids, and there's this little boy, he's in sixth grade, sixth grade. And he's there because he threatened his teacher with a knife, said he was going to kill her, and set her house on fire and kill her whole family. So he gets expelled from school, and, and I get him. It's my first year teaching. And he comes to me. He says, Mr. Taylor. I and mean, him and his buddies were all talking, you know. He said, Mr. Taylor. He said, what are you doing tonight? I said, nothing. What are you doing tonight? He said, I'm going to get me a bike. I'm like, he said, can you give me a ride? I'm like, what time do you need a ride to get, get a bike? He's 11 o'clock. Sixth grader, like 11 years old. I said, well, where are you going to get a bike? I don't know. Somebody's yard. I said, you mean you're going to go steal a bike? He was asking his teacher to give him a ride so he could go steal a bike. I swear, it's honest truth. I said, man, are you crap? (laughs) <laughs> I said, stealing's wrong. Oh, no, stealing's not wrong. Stealing's not wrong. I said, well, I think he said, no, that's not stealing. That's what he said. He says, no, that's not stealing. Like, look, if you go into somebody's yard and you take their bike and it doesn't belong to you, that's called stealing. And he says, no, if they wanted it, they shouldn't have left it out in their yard. I said, (laughs) I said, man, haven't you ever heard thou shalt not steal? He said, nah, what's that? I said, you ever heard of the Ten Commandments? He said, nah, what's that? I said, you heard of the Bible? Yeah, I heard of that. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? This is a child, literally, this is a child that was just left alone. That's key, man. Parents are gone, just left him, left him, left him. Nobody ever taught him right from wrong. But God did that. God showed Abraham. God showed Moses. God showed the Israelites. He showed and showed and showed. And he poured out his love and poured out his love and poured out his love. And his mercy and his kindness and his favor. And he poured it out and poured it out. Until we get it. It says right there, those of faith. This is you and me if we have faith in Jesus Christ. So Charles Spurgeon describes it as faith like this in reference to grace. It's it's like grace is the wellhead and faith is the conduit by which God pours out his favor on all of his children. You guys know who Charles Spurgeon is? Great theologian, like uh, Civil War time frame. In England, I mean, there is so much on the internet and and published by him, it's incredible. Great theologian. A wellhead, that's kind of an old term. You guys know what a wellhead is? It's like this, it's this head, it's like got bolts all around it, you know, and it's it's holding back the pressure. It's holding back everything. So if you think about a heavenly wellhead, Right? It's holding back everything that God has, all of his blessing, all of his grace, all of his mercy, all of his love, everything, loving kindness, joy, peace, everything is, is containing it. And faith is the conduit that activates it. It's the conduit that it just pushes out and goes to, down and is delivered to all of mankind. Did you know that God's grace is poured out on all of mankind because of Abraham's faith? Everyone in this world will be blessed because of Abraham. But you know, before we can even begin to understand the depths of this topic, we have to start someplace, don't we? And the place that we have to start is we have to realize that aside from God's grace, you're a bad person. Not just a bad person, but you bad, right, Mr. Lee? you bad, bad. Super bad. So I'm going to have a little fun with you, all right? Wives out there. For just a moment, I want you to imagine your husbands if God removed all of his grace. You think he's hard to deal with now? If God removed all of his blessing, all of his kindness, all of his mercy, all of his loving kindness, everything, he removed it from your husband, would you be married to him? Probably not. Probably done killed him by now. He ain't off the hook, though. Gentlemen, husbands, imagine your wives. If God removed all of his grace, all of his mercy, all of his love, what would she be like? <laughs> I saw one guy looking for the exit sign. <laughs> Aside, aside from God's grace, we are totally depraved. We are totally corrupt. It is only because God poured out his love, that he poured out his mercy, he poured out his grace, that any of us have any hope whatsoever. In Ephesians, so now we're going to backtrack. I'm going to prove this in scripture. So we're going to backtrack to Ephesians 2, 1 through 7. It says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sin, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too, all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh, and of, the, of, and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, oh, everybody say, but God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love for which he loved us, even as we were dead in our trespasses, trust made us alive together with Christ By grace, which you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the age to come he might show the the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Jesus Christ. We were dead. We were dead in our trespasses. You know what death in the Bible is, right? Sometimes it just means you're in in the ground. (laughs) But in this instance, it it means that you were separated from God. Because I got news for you. Everybody talks about living forever. Well, don't worry. You're going to live forever. You're either going to live forever united with Christ in heaven or separated from him in hell. You are going to live forever. This is not the end. It's just temporary. It's just a temporary place. We were dead, but in Christ. This, I like this. We were seated at the right hand of God in Christ Jesus. See, the promise, everybody, you know, and it is true to some extent, everybody really focuses on the fact that, that Isaac was the promise, But it's really not Isaac, because if you read later on, it says, you're gonna have a son, you'll name him Isaac, and through his seed, I'm gonna bless the whole world. Because through his seed, not, and the the way that it says it's one seed. Not through his seeds, or many, singular. Through his seed, Jesus Christ. And later on in the New Testament, Paul reveals that. It's through Jesus Christ, that it's all gonna be fulfilled. So if you think about it for a second, because I'm very linear and I'm very visual, so when I see things, I see things like that. So you've got Abraham over here. God teaches him faith. He teaches him everything that the New Testament is gonna be based on, and, it, and, and, it's, and he establishes it with Melchizedek when he pays tithes to him in the desert. He says, you're, you're blessed, and it's gonna continue on forever. But in the meantime, in this section of time right here, I've got to teach my people something. So it was a foreshadow of that to come. So then God gives them the law so that they, and then they know everything about Father Abraham and all what God did with him, right? So then he establishes the law. So see because in the Old Testament it's Christ concealed, in the New Testament it's Christ revealed. So Christ is concealed in all of that in the in the Old Covenant, but now when Jesus comes, he dies on the cross for our sins, he reveals a new covenant that God intended from the beginning. Is that cool? And, it, and he says that it's not of your own doing. It's not of yourself. It's a gift from God. Not a result of works, so no one that may boast. Now, let me see. Let me see something. There he is. Ian, how you doing? You guys see me texting on my phone down there? I, I asked Ian last night if I could use him in my sermon. He's like, yeah, 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 yeah. And I walked out without him this morning. I texted my wife. I was like, get get, get Ian up here right now. She's like, he's sleeping. Come on, Ian, get up here. And now I'm going to use my own children for this in case somebody gets hurt. (laughs) Devin, come on up here. Now, see, it says that it's not of our own doing. And we talked about favor. Uh, unmerited favor, right? So, oh, I don't want my water. I want to. I get. I did this. Uh, I preached about grace. I don't know, man. it had been a long time ago, six, seven years ago, um, in Liberty University at a thing called War Cry. They contacted me. Asked had like I don't know, five, six hundred young people, pastors, and different stuff. And they asked me to preach about get grace. And I. This is what I did. So I, and I'm going to recreate it here. All right, Ian, are you ready? All right. So, Ian. This is you're my boy, man. You're strong. You can do this. All right now. Couldn't find, Couldn't find a football? All right, so we're gonna use this. Well, hey, it's a football, right? If you're in Europe. All right, take that football. Okay, now. I want you to run through Devin. I want you to take him out. I want you to lower your shoulder, and I want you to run straight through him. Can you do it? <laughs> <laughs> man. What's up, man? All right, you can do it. I'm telling you, you can do it. All right, ready? Get ready to run. Devin's going to tackle you, by the way. All right? All right, go. Okay, all right. Give him a hand. He he tried. All right, all right. Come back. Oh, hey, you're not done yet. Come over here. All right, take this. Look, son. All right, now your coach has to give you a pep talk. All right, son, you can do this. All right, you got this? All right, you just lower your shoulder, and you blast right through him. Drive your legs. You gotta chop your legs. Okay. Gotta move it, right? All my football coaches out there. Gotta use those legs. All right. Ready? Take him out, son. Ready? Go. All right. Come. Come back. Come back. Look. We got. We got a problem here. All right. Come on. Turn around. I'll tell you what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna be your lead blocker. Okay. So what I want you to do is just follow me. Can you do that? All right. Good. Yeah. You ready? Down, set, hut. <laughs> Hey, Hey, man, you're supposed to be going this way. Go, go, go. All right, good. All right, give him a big hand. Good job. Practically, grace is God doing for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. Ian would have never been able to take Devin out. (laughs) Right now. But he might be bigger than Devin one day. (laughs) He can never take him out. But what we couldn't do, God did. Grab my water. Aside from the grace that God pours out, We'd be doomed to pursue things of the flesh, not of God. We're totally corrupt and separated from God. So in, in continuing in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, it says that this is a gift from God that we did not deserve. It's unmerited favor. In Romans 6, 23, it says, For the, sin, uh, the wages of sin is death, But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So this grace, this grace that we're talking about is God's gift to us so that we might have eternal life. And when you put your faith into that, you are saved. You are no longer separated from God eternally, but you are united with God eternally that's it nothing can take it from you it can't be lost because if it's a gift from god if it's god giving it i mean have you ever received a gift from somebody that you love and you know loves you and i mean you're not going to reject it you're not going to turn it away you're going to say oh this is a stupid gift i don't like this (laughs) It's a gift. Or, oh, I'm just, hey, thanks very much, but I'm just gonna put it over here and I'm never gonna open it. It's a gift from God. So no one may boast. See, it's not by works that we're saved. Everybody understands that, right? There's nothing, this is, I, w- I emailed, uh, actually, Pastor Dave emailed uh, Jerry Daly, who was the founder of, of Mana Church and I mean, several churches, and we said, hey, we're going to be preaching on grace. You got any ideas? And he sent me some ideas, and, and um, he said that the reality is that there's nothing that I can do to make me more righteous than I already am. The moment that I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, I'm made righteous. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm in in right standing, justified, and there's nothing that I can do to become more righteous. Did you know that? That, I mean... If you think about that, because we, we try to say, okay, you gotta, you know, you gotta do this and you gotta do that, and you gotta do this and you gotta do that. And Paul's going, no, you don't. Now, this is really cool about grace. So when you look up the definition of grace, there is words that describe grace that comes from God, and then there's there's words that describe grace that we receive from God. You know what the words that uh, the receiver is for grace? Thankful, appreciative, gratitude. So all these words are tied up in grace as as God being the giver and us being the receiver. And so God gives us his, his righteousness when we put faith in his son. He seats us at the right hand of God in heaven In Christ Jesus. And then he gives us everything that we need to walk it out. And faith comes from hearing the word of God, right? And he gave us the word of God. So where does faith come from? Do you get it? It all comes from him. So the faith that is required to believe came from him. The method came from him, his grace it comes from him, everything comes from him, so it's nothing of ourselves, it's nothing that we can do to earn it. That's cool. But being the receiver of grace, we are just overwhelmed because of his love, we're overwhelmed because of his unmerited favor, that in response to that, we do the things that we do. Not an obligation or compulsion, but out of just sheer gratitude. Is that the truth? That's the truth. No one may boast because he did it all. That's that's awesome. Because you know, Paul said (laughs) he he said many times, I am the chief of sinners. Nothing I did. Kidding me? I was present when Stephen was stoned and was egging him on. I persecuted the church. I persecuted Christ. I, I had people slaughtered. Nothing that I could have ever done to, to gain his righteousness. Only through a free gift. All of this to say, to share a story and to say one thing. If you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you have the assurance of salvation. You don't ever have to do another thing. Now, we do because we're so grateful for it. We're so grateful for what he did for us that we are just compelled to do things, to serve. To use our gifts and talents. To work in the nursery. To vacuum the floor. To straighten out the chairs. To teach those 75 little kids that we had here. <laughs> Whoa, man. We're compelled to do all that because of the loving kindness. and unmerited favor that God gave us. I want to I share a story real quick. Um, it hit me. I mean, just hit me really hard. And blew me away. I knew that Judaism, and I'm not busting on Jews or anything, but I knew Judaism and the law was of works. Duh, right? <laughs> but I saw Larry King live. I watched Larry King live one time. It was on YouTube. I was just scrolling through things. And they had two rabbis, the president for Jews for Jesus and the president of the Southern Baptist Convention. Sounds like I'm telling a joke, doesn't it? I'm serious. (laughs) The two rabbis, president of the Southern Baptist Convention, Jews for Jesus. And the two rabbis were just livid with the fact that the Southern Baptist Convention put out liturgy um, to all of their uh, constituents how to win Jews for Jesus. And what they were upset about was that they were using their symbols and their language and their you know, whatever, to try to win Jews to Christ. And I was like looking at this going, duh, there was another rabbi that did it. His name was Paul and Jesus. It's been going on for a couple thousand years. You guys are now just upset? (laughs) Right? But he said something that was very, just struck me. The, the, and I like that, president of the Southern Baptist Convention, you know, because they're very polished, very good at what they do. He says to the rabbi, he says, if you died tonight, do you know that you would enter into heaven? And he said something that just blew me away. He said, I could never presume to know whether I was good enough. All I can do is be a moral man and hope that when I stand before God, that my good deeds Outweigh my bad ones. <laughs> my heart sunk. Like, it doesn't matter if you did more good deeds. Because if I mean understand the law, if you've broken one, you've broken them all. You will never, ever be able to do a good enough uh, enough good deeds to earn the favor of God. Because you're dead and separated from him. Unless you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. My heart broke for the man. Because he didn't see the one that God promised to Abraham. But he said that if you put your faith in him, you are the seed of Abraham. The believer. So we have that assurance of faith this morning. And if you've never had that assurance, if you can't say right now that I know without a doubt that I'm, if I die, I'm going to heaven, well, i got news for you. You can this morning. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand in a moment. If you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, I'd like everybody to stand for me and my altar counselors to come. We're going to pray. And if you want to accept Christ, you're going to raise your hand. you want to put your faith in him the giver of all good gifts it's your moment jesus brings all of us to this moment whether we'll accept or reject the gospel now we're going to be talking about the response uh, in dealing with sin next week and then we're going to be talking about the goal of grace the following week why he did all this But this morning, I want you to leave here knowing that you have the assurance of salvation. You do not have to go another minute wondering whether you're a child of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you. Lord, we thank you for your gift of grace. We thank you for the opportunity to acknowledge you in that gift. It's nothing that we did, it's but what you did. I take no credit whatsoever in it. There's nothing good in me aside from you. I acknowledge you that I acknowledge that this morning. So if you're here and you've never received Christ as your personal savior, just I'm the only one looking around. Raise your hand. If you've never received Christ as your personal savior, this is your moment. like we're all family this morning. It's awesome. These people are up here to pray with you. If you need healing, if you need somebody to stand with you, you're going through something, a struggle, family members going through a struggle, they're here to pray with you. Don't leave here today without receiving that gift. These people are a gift from God to stand up here and to to stand in faith with you. They're going to join their faith with your faith They're going to see miracles happen in your life. Lord, I just speak a blessing over everybody here. I just pray right now, give them divine opportunity. Since we're all believers, Lord, I just pray that a spirit of evangelism comes over every single one of us in some way. That the goal is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with everybody that we come in contact with. So I pray right now for divine opportunity with every single person here. Somebody this week is going to hear the gospel because of this message this morning. It's going to go forward. Your kingdom is going to be advanced in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.